What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode here at Go Long with Brett Favre. Why not? Super Bowl Sunday, just a few days away as we record here on a Wednesday. Brett, you played in a couple Super Bowls. You were close to a couple more. Is uh, do, do the memories just kind of resurface for you as the greatest sports spectacle kind of kind of closes in? You know, New Orleans beating the Patriots, San Diego narrowly losing to Denver, which, you know, a lot of people call that the greatest Super Bowl of them all at the time in that game. Man, I was just yeah. watching that. Uh, yeah, what, what kind of runs through your mind this week? Yeah, this week, I would say, is the, is the only week that it, it, it tempts me to play again, where, you know, you kind of feel the juices flowing. I mean, obviously, I have no desire to play anymore. But come on, it, you got to announce it right here. This is the comeback yeah, attempt. It, it wouldn't take much to break me in two. Uh, but yeah, this this week is is an exciting week, uh, and it continues to get bigger and more exciting. It seems like each year. Um, the whole, you know, I think I think the New Orleans game. Uh, in 96 was we had one week to prepare. Now they have two. I, I can't remember if the San Diego was a two-week w- window prior to the Super Bowl or one week. But um, you, I, as a player, you can't help but be, especially if you're in the game, uh, just to soak it all in. I mean, it's – I don't know if there's anything bigger, any event that's bigger. Uh, you know, maybe World Cup. I I don't know, but uh, and all eyes are on you. I mean, you're you're the only show in in the in the world that people care about really this whole week, and uh, just an exciting time. And, and again, it kind of gets the juices flowing. Uh, now, when I think about the Super Bowl, I also think about how fast time flies and how long ago that was, you know? And so the, the few times I've talked, a couple of times I've talked to Andy's team prior to the, to the game, Doug had me come in and Philly beat the, the Patriots. I talked to the team and I, I always say the same thing, man, savor this moment. Enjoy each and every minute of it. If you're going to practice from here, Enjoy it because it goes by so quickly and, and savor every moment of it. Um, because the reality is, and I always use Dan Marino as, a, as an example, his first year as an NFL quarterback, he had an unbelievable year statistically. I think he threw 48 touchdowns or something like that. Went to the Super Bowl. They lost. Everyone, I'm sure including Dan, Everybody on that team, every coach, every personnel, every fan, every non-fan of the Dolphins figured they would be back many, many, many times. And he never went back. So savor each moment. Uh, you know, I, that's – and I think that I did that my, the two years that I went. You know, I wish we'd have won two. I wish I would have won, went to more. But I enjoyed the experience regardless you were so open uh i can't remember which episode it was about those mid 
nineties, I guess early, early to mid nineties, uh, partying nights, right. Drinking too much binging. And so when you mentioned new Orleans and you think I'm thinking, Oh my God, I can't imagine Brett Favre running around bourbon street ahead of the biggest game of his life. How, how did you kind of, uh, avoid, or maybe you didn't avoid temptation. Did you hit it pretty hard before that game? I mean, how, there's a lot of temptation. We've all been to bachelor parties down there in new Orleans. So. Um, yeah, well, we went out a fair amount. Um, we never skipped curfew. I mean, my, don't get me wrong. I wanted to win the game. Yeah. And I prepared accordingly, but also enjoyed myself. Can I say a little too much? Probably so. In fact, I don't remember a whole lot about what I, what I did when I went out. Uh, but you know, we, we, for the most part, we went to places where it was kind of secure and there was always, uh, security and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, if, if you're a chief or a 49er and you go out nowadays, you're going to have security that goes with you. I mean, I mean, you can't, you can't get away with anything without someone saying, Hey, we need to get back to the hotel. Now, other players that are just there for appearances and things like that, it's a different story. But you got to keep in mind, 96 Super Bowl was, was a big event. But it's, you know, like a pebble compared to a boulder, what it's like now. Yeah, I think like the didn't like the Blues Brothers perform at halftime of your Super Bowl? ZZ I don't, I don't Top. Think, ZZ Top, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think ZZ is getting the call in 2020. I don't think the younger generation has a clue who ZZ Top is. Well, shame on the younger gener- generation. They don't know what a good beard looks like and good music sounds like, I, I guess. True. It's, it's kind of a shame. True. True. God, that game, though, you know, it was – we remember the iconic touchdown to Andre Risen and, and you hoisting the helmet up in the sky, you know, before it was outlawed. Can you take us through that play? Because I I think they were – him and Antonio Freeman were kind of like messing around, right? They were lined up wrong, and you saw something in coverage, and you you did this hand signal to change Actually, the play. when I was running off the field with my helmet off – and, and going absolutely bananas. And I, I told this story so many times. You know, you watch that and you go, look how excited he is for, because, the, you know, great play. But when the reality is that I was excited because how it played out, yeah, I'm glad it, it worked. And I can't stress enough how rare this moment was because we were in the play the play was solo right slot a right 322 y stick i remember that that we had two tight ends i think edgar bennett was the back and andre rising and freeman on the left side slots I, if you could remember back andre had been with the team maybe three weeks up to that point so his his you know Rolodex of our plays is very small. Well, it was the second play I think of the of the game, 
And I walked up to the line and, and, you know, we had plenty of time to do film study on the Patriots. A Bill Belichick defense is about as vanilla as you get. I mean, he, he, I, I think his mentality is I don't want my guys to make mistakes. I, and I'm not a, a gambler. What I mean by that, I, you know, I, I play a little conservative. I'll let them catch it underneath and make, get completions, but we're going to be good tacklers. So we're going to be fundamentally sound. And from a, from a, uh, a scheme perspective, we're going to be real simple. So watching film that week, that's, that was the MO. You know, I mean, you kind of get bored. You don't see any exotic blitzes and things like that. So I walk up to the line on the second play. We're in a, and sole right slot was not a normal or everyday personnel group and formation. You know, it was, it was, I don't know how many times we ran it during the year, but in 16, 17, 18 games, eight, 10 times. We, so, you know, it was a rare formation. So I walk up to the line and, and I look and I'm like, they look like they're an all out blitz, which they never do. Never do. So we never practiced it. Well, We'd certainly never practice it in a formation in a personnel group that we never run. Better yet, a, a formation that we always run. So I'm looking over there and I'm like, you know, play clock's ticking down and I got to make a decision. Do I roll the dice and change it to a, a, an all out blitz play? <coughs> Excuse me. An all out blitz play. Or do I leave this play on and roll the dice that they're bluffing? And I was thinking to myself, well, why would they be bluffing? Because they never do this. You know? So I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check the razor, which is two-man route. The Z, who is always the guy off the ball. That was Jerry Rice for years. John Taylor was X. It was Joe, Joe Montana. Sterling Sharp was Z. He was the flanker. He, that position always, almost always goes to the tight end side and is off the ball. X is away from the tight end on the ball. So Razor in a normal formation. So just say split backs, quarterbacks under center, which is rare these days, but just say that two backs, quarterback under center, tight end right. Flanker off the ball to the right. X is on the ball to the left. Well, Razor is a two-man route. Everybody else blocks. The flanker, the guy off the ball, runs a post. X, the guy on the ball, runs a post corner. So you all out blitz, you got max protection. In a perfect world, you look at the you, – you don't have a safety back there. Everyone's playing flat. You take a look at the – post corner and if it's not there you got a post coming right to it on the opposite side we had installed that play like first week of being a green bay packer and you know mike always stressed you only check this if you see all out blitz it's max protection and we never did because we never got that you get maybe two guys blitzing but a safety back in the middle of the field so 
with the information I gave you, it's I'm I'm rolling the dice and saying it's all out blitz. So I'm gonna check the razor. Both guys are off the ball because we got two tight ends in the game. So both guys are, are could be considered flankers. Antonio was one of the brightest football players I ever played with. So when I said black, 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 or check, 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 78 razor, 78 razor, everyone knows they're blocking except for the two receivers. So I give them this signal, which was our signal for razor. And technically – Antonio is the flanker. He's got a post. Andre was playing the X, he, but he's off the ball too. So he's got the post corner, even though he's off the ball. And I'm thinking, this is going to be a damn cluster if there ever was one. <laughs> so if, if you go back and watch the, the film, you'll see Antonio look out to Andre. And I guess what he was telling him was you run the post, and I'll run the corner. So basically they would this is this is Antonio. This is Andre. They're on the left side. They go down, go down, go down. Post comes in behind him on the corner. So they ran it exactly like they were supposed to. And Andre's wide open. It was all out blitz. It was a perfect check. And I made as good a throw as I could make with a, with all that going through my head. You know, it would be easy to say, now I see why you failed. You, you, you're thinking too much. You're, you know, you're, the anxiety is at a, a high that, you know, you've really never, you're in the Super Bowl. Every reason to, to throw one out the, the Superdome, but it worked to perfection. And that's what I was. I was like, you got to be shitting me. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. So, And you're trying to get in the mind of Bill Belichick. You know, he's he's one of the best defensive minds, obviously, in NFL history. But even in that moment, off of the years with the Giants, and he was with Cleveland, and now he has that year with Bill Parcells in New England, he's probably thinking, I know Brett, early in games, gets a little juiced up and is throwing it into the 18th row and we're yeah. going to force him into a mistake. So he he never does this. He never blitzes. He never takes risk. That's probably what he's thinking in that moment. It's one of those Super Bowl moments in Belichick's history that is long forgotten, but uh, he didn't get the best of you there. No, no. But, you know, he's he's one of the best chess players there ever was. You know, I mean, he he's a, a great schemer. And... Uh, we we just did the right thing. You know, I made a, the right throw. We ran great routes. We, we were protected extremely well, and it worked. So. Did, was there ever a moment in that game that you thought it was in question? You know, New England made a push. We've talked to Drew Bledsoe on here about that game. I don't, I don't think he likes talking about it that much. He hasn't really even seen it. But, you know, they had a little run even after you guys punched first and, and then obviously Desmond Howard had his, his kick return. But in your mind, did you ever think that was in question, like the flow of that game? Cause it, it fell from afar. Like the, the Packers are the best team. 
They've been the best team all year. Number one offense, number one defense, best player in the world. Uh, they're going to take this one. Um, I felt pretty confident throughout the game. There were a couple of times when I got a little uneasy, I guess would be the best way to explain it. Like, we we were able to answer pretty much everything that they did, but they never went away, if that makes sense. And, and we're scrapping. And um, I think the key for, for me and for our team during that game was to continue. As long as we do what we do, we'll win the game. And so when they would do something good and New England fans would be like, okay, we're back in it, we would answer. And that would, you know, continue to build mine and the team's confidence that, you know, we got this as long as we can, you know, we just do what we do and have done all year. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, there were a few times I'm like, they just don't want to go away. And they did. They 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 played a heck of a game. And the, the, we could go through so many different plays, but you have the the bomb to Freeman and then your touchdown run. Um, we didn't really see you run a hell of a lot, but but you did in that moment. You get to the pylon. What do you remember about that play? Getting uh, turf burns. That was the old turf. Oh man, it was as hard as a brick. The the turf was like that tall, and if you put your hands down on it, it was like wire. So, I got the worst strawberry or rug burn or whatever you want to call it. And when I got in the shower afterwards, oh, it lit me up like a firecracker. But that's what I remember about that. I mean, it, I was excited, of course, but um, I mean. I, I can say I'm one of the, the few people in the history of the NFL football to score a touchdown uh, on my own, you know, in a Super Bowl. So, uh, but it was, you know, again, it was something we needed, an answer, and we we were able to do that. Plus, you're, you're not far from home. Forget about that. You probably had, God, how many friends and family? Uh, I probably lost money for that on that game. You know, I, I forgot what the payout for the winner of the team was uh, of the Super Bowl. I think it was like forty thousand or something. Uh, the losers got like twenty, uh, but I, I probably broke even or lost money just from buying tickets and hotel rooms. <laughs> Definitely want to ask about all things Mahomes. I mean, Andy Reid, a coach you know well, but. You know, before we kind of get to the the here and the now, man, bro, I was like I said, watching that Broncos Super Bowl. I, I forgot just how spectacular of a game that that really was. I, I know you lost, but man, you were throwing freaking missiles, and I mean they were blitzing. Talk about blitzing! Yeah. I mean, Greg Robinson yeah. was sending the house at you, Steve Atwater early in the game. You're taking their best shot, but back back and forth that that game was. Was unbelievable. I mean, maybe enough time has passed you could look back at it and and really appreciate it. But um, yeah, uh, and and I do. Um, of course, I wish we won. But you're right. It, I mean, it was a, as a fan if you're watching the game and really had no skin in the game, you had to be thinking, "I mean, it's a good game." 
Yeah. And if you were pulling for one of the teams in it, you were, you're on the edge of your seat throughout the, the whole, the entire four quarters. And it came down to the last play. You know, I think ultimately, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out, but Terrell Davis was the difference. I mean, we couldn't stop him. No matter what, we couldn't stop him. I think he had over 200 yards rushing. So he missed a whole quarter, the whole second quarter, and he still ran 30 times for 157 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, yeah, it, there's, there, there are so many specific moments in this game, though. I mean, you guys were down 17 to seven, you know, late in the first half. And that drive you put together to, to cut it to 17 14, right? The, the touchdown to Chamura. Man, that was a hell of a drive itself. I'm thinking of Chamura's like one handed grab deep in your yep. end to get it started. And then you get down there, um, and you hit him in the corner of the end zone. Yeah, the, 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 this really was, especially at the time, like the NFC is just killing the AFC in this game. It was nice to kind of have a back and forth battle throughout. Yeah, you know, and of course, all the focus or most of the focus was on John Elway. And John Elway, you know, is this the game he's going to win a Super Bowl? You know, he's running out of time. And, it, and he got the Super Bowl, but it was probably – statistically the worst that, you know, I don't say he performed bad because he didn't, but he just was, he was just a guy in the game. You know, he really wasn't that much of a difference. And again, I'm not, no disrespect. You know, it's funny because he he got what he wanted and what most of the fans wanted, but it wasn't necessarily because of him. You know, Terrell Davis was a difference maker and, and a big difference. Wonder maybe Pat Bolin should have said uh, that this one's for Terrell Davis instead of this one's for John. That would have made sense. Yeah. And you know what? It's you put, I mean, you maybe you won't say it, but that last drive, man, you, you put it right on Freeman's chest. I think it was like at the 15 yard line, 10 yard line. Whew. That was close. That was close to you guys tying it up there and, and going yeah. to OT. Yeah, I mean, as great a game as it was, it could have been a little bit greater. You know, I'm, like so many times in my career, whether it be a Super Bowl or regular season game or playoff game, you know, I, there's been a lot of games that I was able to make the play at the end and we won. But in that case, I made a lot of plays in that game, played my heart out. Uh, but it, you know, just came up one, one play or one drive or one series, whatever you want to call it from, you know, from getting it. But, uh, you know, I walked away upset, but with my head held high and that's all I could ask for. So you've been talking to these teams, uh, the chiefs with Andy and obviously the Eagles with Doug Peterson. When, when was the last time you spoke to, uh, the Chiefs was it was it their last Super Bowl? Um, was that in Miami? Yeah, yeah, that was the last time. Yeah. So, what's the scene really look like? I mean, are you really in front of the the whole team, yeah. like in the middle of the week? 
Yeah, they're, they're like in their hotel conference room, you know, what would be the team meeting room for that week. And, uh, you know, Andy, I've done that twice with Andy. You know, hey, meet me here. I, my security guard will come grab you. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're, we'll be at a team meeting at 10 o'clock a.m. So, I, you know, 9.50, 9.45, I'll just ease over and usually BS a little bit with Andy before and after, you know, talk about old times and stuff like that. Then just go in and just kind of talk to the team. And it's, it's you know, there's nothing I can say that the, those guys haven't heard before. But and so I just – Keep it lighthearted. Tell a few funny Andy stories, and um, like I said earlier, the one thing that I stress to to anyone in, in that position, or uh, for another example, is when I was coaching high school, I told those kids, "Man, there's going to come a day where you're going to look back and you're going to regret a play, a game." a season where you didn't give it your all and, and enjoy it. You, you're probably too busy. I'm looking forward to college or whatever. And you, you kind of leave the present and, you know, look to the future. And then someday you look back and go, crap. I wish I'd enjoy that or, or, you know, put a little more effort into it. So, I mean, that's – Sort of what I talked to the those Super Bowl teams about, just to make sure you you don't want to look back someday and regret effort, studying, or just enjoying the moment, just soaking it all in and, and seeing it for what it's worth. You've got to have a good Andy Reid story. My favorite Andy Reid story, and I told this when I was inducted in the Green Bay Hall of Fame, and there was more people at that than there was at the NFL Hall of Fame that I was inducted in. You know, it was 75,000 yeah. in the stands. And they watched the induction, you know, which was indoors right there at the atrium. So Andy's at the same hotel. You know, Andy's not with the Packers anymore. We're at the same hotel right over there across from the airport. Uh, and I'm just kind of, I didn't write out a speech. I just kind of practiced and practiced who I wanted to thank all the people that were important to me at the Packers. There was a lot coaches, personnel, maintenance guys, all that stuff. But there's one Andy story. It was a preseason game. And, and I actually called Andy while we were in the hotel the day of the induction, I said, hey, Andy, before I even think about telling the story, I want to, if it's okay with you, I want to tell the story about the you stepping on the, the, the chain game uh, on the, he said, oh, hell yeah, you better say it. I, I love that story. <clears throat> and so I, I said, okay, so I told that story, you know, He's standing. We're on the sidelines. I'm out of the game now. 
and the two guys holding the yard sticks, there, there was a chain, obviously, in between. I don't even think there's a chain anymore. Maybe there is. Yeah, there is. But the, the two guys had been – I never knew their names, but they were there for every game. Older guys, you know, this is probably, you know, the, my, you know, part of the Packers, you know, is I, I get to do the yardage sticks. And the, the cords, you know, coaches, each coach has a guy holding their cord and you make sure they have slack and all that stuff. And so I, the chain gang is going back and forth. And uh, Andy's just like, uh, I guess the cord guy kind of lost track of what he was doing. And, uh, He's yanking on the cord, and the chain gang guys is standing on the cord. He's a little plump dude, and he like yanks it. And the guy kind of looks at him, and he says, "Hey, get off the cord, you fat ass!" And he looks at Andy, and he says, "Hey, who are you calling a fat ass?" And I'm standing right there, and I thought, and both of them laughed, you know. And again, I don't know the guy's name. He's, I'm sure he's passed away by now, but. Uh, I told that story to the team, and of course they they loved it, uh, and Andy right. loved it. It's a classic. Yeah, I know everybody was uh, pissed off at Terry Bradshaw last year at the Super Bowl for for telling Andy, "Hey, waddle on over here." I, I'd imagine Andy's got a, a sense of humor. He probably got a kick out of oh, something like that. You know, he he was so much fun to play for, and. Even when he was a tight end coach, which he was that before he became a quarterback coach, he, he was a lot of fun, a lot of fun, and a great coach, obviously. I mean, it just is a perfect marriage with with Patrick Mahomes. It's almost, I mean, it's eerily similar to what you had there with with Mike Holmgren, but they're they're still going. And we we spent so much time chatting about Josh Allen and and what you see in him that reminds you of yourself, but. God, I, I would think it's Mahomes at the top of that list. When you watch a Chiefs game and you you see the kind of magic that he creates, it's it's got to be giving you flashbacks to, yeah, to your no, MVP think, seasons, especially. I mean, dancing all over the place, avoiding the rush, these yeah. crazy arm angles. My God. You, you see, historically, the teams that have had multiple successes – What's the, you know, common connection between those teams? Chuck Knoll, Terry Bradshaw, Tom Landry, Roger Stallback. Uh, I'm drawing a blank to San Francisco. Bill. Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh, Joe Montana. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. You know, so there's a common theme there. And I, I think that Holmgren and I would have had plenty of more opportunities, but it is what it is. The thing that's really – Andy is such a genius, and I, I say this with the, back, the thought in the back of my head. It's like he's so simple. Like a genius shouldn't be that simple, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, what do you mean but, by that? 
his his sole purpose of how he calls plays and 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 why he does what he does is it fits the style of play that Patrick is or whoever's quarterback is, Donovan McDab or whoever. He allows that player to do what he does best, but he also he schemes formations, motions. Like the average Joe watching the game probably doesn't, you know, they see Kelsey catch a 20-yard corner route, whatever. And you, but you don't see the the dynamics of it. And then the next week you see Kelsey catch another uh, whether you know it's a corner round or not, but he's wide open. You, I say this sometimes. I'm like, how in the hell can he get so wide open? You know that's the target. I mean, they're going to throw it to him. So as a defense coordinator, you're thinking, I'm going to put a guy on Travis Kelsey, and his sole purpose is you stay with him. If he goes and takes a dump, I want you to wipe his ass. I mean, I want you with him everywhere he goes. You got to believe that a defense coordinator would do that, right? But yet he gets wide ass open. Is that because the defense coordinator and the defense is dumb asses? Not necessarily. More than likely, it's the scheme. It, you know, it's the same play, but it's just it's 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 window dressing with formation motions, and they they do all this crazy stuff but it's the same play. And so from a defensive perspective, you know, if like Andy's preparing this week against the 49ers, both teams do what they do. And usually you don't deviate from that very much. So they're going to scheme up a plan on how they're going to attack Nick Bosa or how they're going to get Kelsey open or how they're going to get him one-on-one with a matchup. They like a certain guy. Maybe they like better covering than the next guy. Well, they're going to scheme that up. And as a defensive player, you walk up to the Chiefs and you say you're a backer or safety. You go, well, this looks like the formation they're going to run this play with. But they may run that play from that formation, just kind of lull you to sleep. But then they're going to come back and run the same play with a totally different formation on motion, you know. And, and if you're playing man coverage and you got that guy, well, that guy all of a sudden gets in a bunch. Do I have that guy? You know what I'm saying? It, it can yeah. create problems. But but in saying that, what what really to me is most important is do you as a talking about Andy or an offensive coach in general with scheme. Do you, you know, draw up these plays and, and, you know, we're going to attack this team, but do you create more confusion for your own players by how you call a play or the, the verbiage or, you know, you can make it very complicated and think that it's simple. And your guys are going, I have no clue what you're talking about. Or do you make it real simple? Like, hey, hey, guys, you know, we're going to go to the line and we're going to make them think we're we're all over the place. But when 
Patrick says, Seth, I want everyone to get to the spot that you know that you're supposed to be at. But before that, you can do whatever. You know what I mean? So what may look like mass confusion, there's a code word or, you know, maybe he taps his leg or whatever that says, all right, now, now we're serious. Now we got to get to where we're supposed to be. You know, and, and then if he's going to do a motion or, you know, it's, it's a, to the opponent or to the average Joe watching, it, it could, it could seem like, man, they're complicated. Last year in the Super Bowl against the Eagles, they, the Eagles had a great defense and had the game, it seemed like, but the second half, they had, they found a way to, they would motion the back way out and then they would bring him back in the backfield. And at the right when he went to get set, they would snap it. And the guy running back in with him, you could tell that's the man coverage guy that he's got him. So that formation in motion told Patrick, there's the matchup, but it also told the receivers who were kind of in a, a tight set that they got to run that route on the outside shoulder of that defender to make him have to go around or dip underneath. Well, that gives the, the back or a receiver or whoever you, you put in that position, you know, just a little bit of an advantage, and that's all you need. So that's what I mean. You know, I mean, it, it, it's it, to, from the outside looking in, you go, well, that's, they, they do a lot of stuff. But inside the building, Patrick Mahomes, you know, he knows exactly what they're doing because it's real simple. And he understands conceptually we're going to give the, uh, the illusion that we're complicated, that you're not going to be able to zero in on Travis Kelsey because we're not going to line up at the wide position right off the right tackle every single time and run a corner out. That would be too easy for them. We're going to, we're going to run a corner out with him, but we're going to start him outside way over here to the left and motion him over and have a bunch formation, everyone bunched up, you know, side by side. That way the guy that's supposed to guard him gets picked off by another guy running the post, you, you know, so. It's, it, you say it's simple, but that's high level stuff. You know, I mean, you, you can understand why Mahomes, Reed would get, frustrated when the Kadarius Tony is then just lined up offsides against Buffalo or you get a dropped pass. It's because you still have to go out there and execute it. And as you kind of break this all down so beautifully, Brett, I'm just wondering, like Patrick Mahomes is the greatest player in the game today. He may go down as the greatest player ever, but where does his career go if he doesn't have Andy Reid? You know, like if, if the Chicago bears choose him instead of Mitchell Trubisky, if, if the Bills and my other podcast co-host Jim Monas, if they stay at that pick and take Mahomes, and he's coached by you know like Rick Dennison and David Culley, like if he gets any other coach in any other situation, what what happens to Mahomes? Like, I, I, just, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. Man, I, uh, he's a great player, and he would be he would be a great player that you may not know about. And, and I guess a, a better way of a better example would be what player out there today 
has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle because of where he was drafted or where he was traded to. There's probably – how many guys do we see year in and year out have a, you know, a coming out? Like, where was where where has he been, you know, at a new team, uh, a new position? Uh, you know, was was – you know, for three or four years was a nobody that you kind of forgot about, whether he was a high draft pick or mid-round mid or late or not even drafted. And then he, he gets in the right situation, and the rest is history. Well, we see that every year with players. With Patrick, we didn't, we haven't seen that because it's who he, he started with, the, the, that guy. You know, he sat for a year or two and um, behind Alex, learned the ropes a little bit. And the rest is history. But there's, I'm sure that, you know, there's thousands of players that yeah. we have forgotten about that were, you know, Patrick Mahomes that went to, you know, Siberia to play. You know? Yeah, I mean, is anybody come to mind, like even through time that you just thought would have been a great quarterback? They just ended up in a not good situation. Um, right offhand, I, I can't think of anybody necessarily. I, I think really more of, you know, present situations like Chicago, they've gone through how many head coaches, how many offense coordinators, and they've gone through what three quarterbacks, four quarterbacks in the last seven, eight years. Yeah. Start with Trubisky, maybe. I'm not saying Trubisky is or isn't the answer. I'm not saying that uh, what's what's the guy that's quarterbacking him now? Justin Fields. Justin Fields. I'm not saying he is or isn't. Or the the young kid that played some this past year that you know came from the some school no one's ever heard of. Shepherd State or something. Shepherd College or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He's um, an agent. I use them as a good example. I mean, how do you how do you show what you can do when it's a different scheme each and every year? Uh, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to find any continuity and chemistry when the carousel of coaches and players is constantly revolving. So there's a lot to be said for stability. And they've got it in Kansas City. I mean, just when it comes to Mahomes, what do you love in his game? Well, he can make every throw. And that's, as we know, it can be good or bad. But very rarely is it bad. So it's to me, it's really uncommon for someone with a big arm that can make every throw. And you see it with Josh Allen. He's been compared to me. You, where you think there's nothing you can't accomplish. There's no throw that you can't make. And that may be true, but there's a time to to not make that throw. You know, but Patrick does a great job of knowing when to say when and when not to. Uh, and he's, you know, he's had to kind of change his, his mentality or, or style of play some because of Tyreek being gone. You know, they just don't have the, the, the big threat every single play. Uh, 
but you see it with Miami now with Tua. I mean, every game they get a 70-yard bomb. He's Patrick's had to rein in. Obviously, he's smart. He understands the offense. He understands why Andy calls the plays he does at certain times that he does. No one understands that more than I do because I, I've been with Andy. And there's a reason that he calls something on this down in distance, and Patrick gets it. Not to mention, not to say he gets it, but he gets it and makes the play. You know, he's, he's clutch. Uh, and the players love him. You know, I think that's that's one of the most important things about it all is that players love him. They play hard for him. He's he's super smart, can make every throw, uh, has good mobility, doesn't probably could use it more, you know, maybe not as much as Josh Allen, but he could probably use it more, but he uses it well enough to be really effective because, you know, if he buys a little time with his legs, he can make any throw with his arm. You know, I was just talking to a bunch of people who know him best, you know, high school coaches, teammates, college teammates. And the theme is that just the higher the stakes, the bigger the moment, the more pressure that's on him. There's just something inside of Patrick Mahomes where he's just going to rise up. He's just, he's, he's just a force of nature. Like he will make that play. You know what I mean? Like last year he won a yeah. Super Bowl on, on one good leg. And there he is outrunning Philly's defense with that, uh, that, that quirky, awkward style, right? Nobody can catch him. But he, yeah. just, he just finds a way, and it's it's hard to put your finger on it. Like, what does that even mean? But to you, what does that mean, Brett? Like, when he well, I mean, he's just a winner. He he, you know, and it and he does it a lot of times in unbelievable fashion, making some outrageous throw. Where a good example would be the comparisons of the two quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. Both of them are winners. Do you think Brock Purdy can make every throw? or do some a lot of the things that Patrick Mahomes can do. I, I don't think anyone would, you know, disagree that he he's not Patrick Mahomes. But he is a winner. Uh, you know, Patrick's got all the, you know, all the intangibles that, you know, when you go to the combine as a scout or a head coach and you want to evaluate players, Patrick's got all the he checks all the all the the good boxes size speed arm strength you know football IQ uh likability is he in it for the team or is he in it for himself he's in it for the team and his his play reflects that you know and he's clutch you know and and I, I guess another example would be a Baker Mayfield. I think that he's got that mentality, you know, but, but he's bounced around from team to team. It goes back to what we're talking about. If he were with Andy Reid, I think he has, you know, a lot more success, and he's had success. I, but And he's a winner. He's, he's won everywhere he's been. And, and Patrick, I mean, you just you, – you got it now. It, it certainly helps to have those intangibles, but get in the right situation. You know, Joe Montana could could have gotten drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. And maybe he builds an empire there, but more than likely, 
Joe Montana wouldn't be Joe Montana today. He he may have been good, but we wouldn't think of him as esteemed as we do now. You know, had Elway gone to the Colts rather than the Broncos, maybe he wins three Super Bowls there. Maybe he gets lost in the shuffle. And, you know, he's not one of the greatest of all time. So it certainly helps to to have the intangibles, but get the right fit. And, you know, initially you didn't know if the combination between Andy and Patrick would be the right fit, but we certainly all can agree that it's the right fit now. Shit, look at yourself, right? If Atlanta just hangs on to you, and well, what happens? I, I, I probably, we're not having this conversation right now. I, I, I would bet the farm that. Unbelievable. I mean, same thing with Brock Purdy, with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. We can knock Purdy all we want and say he can't do this, he can't do that. Something about his game and the way he processes and gets from one to two to three is perfect for what Shanahan does. Yeah, he's more of a meticulous surgeon, you know, that um, Yeah, that someone comes in with a, I mean, he's working the emergency room, you know, trauma, and the guy comes in the car wreck, and he's got a bunch of things going, going wrong for him, broken leg, broken, you know, this and that. He's got internal bleeding, but he's got this, you know. Doctor Purdy's got this. I mean, he, he, you know, meticulously he can fix that because that's what he's trained to do. I think where he's not in homes is like you come in with, you know, a, an oddball injury or something that he hasn't seen before. And he, he may can fix it, but he may have to refer to someone else if that's a little more of their expertise. And I'm, I'm certainly not knocking Brock, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not putting him in the homes' category. You know, I think in fairness to to both, you can't do that. You can't put Brock and his – yeah, they're in, the, they're in the Super Bowl against each other, so they're equals in that regard. But I think Brock is one of those that if the game is going well, you wouldn't want any other quarterback in the league, including Mahomes. But if the game is kind of going south or it's iffy, up and down, back and forth, um, I'm not saying Brock can't succeed there, but that's not where his strong suit, if that makes sense. Uh, now last week, he, 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 he proved me, would have proved me wrong. He, he moved around with his feet. He had some big first down front of the ball. Um, I mean, he showed a little different side of him that I don't think we've ever seen. I'm not saying that no one thought he could or couldn't do it. He just hadn't. And he, and he made some super clutch throws in the second half. Because, you know, you come out of that second half locker room and you're 49ers, you're probably saying, hey, we can win this game. But in the back of your mind, you got to be thinking, if Detroit just plays remotely close to how they've been playing, our ass is kicked. I mean, 17-point lead. So a lot had to go 49ers way and a lot of it was, you know, revolved around how Brock played or didn't play. 
And, you know, the defense had to stop him. Everybody did what they were supposed to do. And, and Brock was over and beyond what I think anybody had seen from him up to this point. So it, it was really a milestone for him and maybe a confidence booster for him, certainly for the team. Like, damn Brock, maybe. <laughs> you know, he, he can do it. You know, most of the games that they've won since he took over as a starter, they had a lead or the game was, you know, maybe not out of reach for the opponent, but, you know, as a fan or just a, just a general fan, you go, 49ers can win this game. I mean, they're, they're dominating on both sides of the ball. That wasn't a dominating game up to the start of the second half last week. You know, he had to make some plays. He had to do something that he really hadn't done and had to do it over and over again. And he did it. So, uh, so we know he's capable of doing that. Now, can he roll around and make a, you know, an un- unbelievable throw back across his body? I don't think that he would do that. I just think that he understands his, you know, it's like Ty Devin when we were together in Green Bay. He would always joke at me, whether it be practice or after the game, watching the film the next day. He's like, why would you make that throw? And I go, because I can. And I would say, you, you, you wouldn't make that throw? He's like, hell no. I know my limitations. I know what I can and can't do. And I, and I stick to that. I think Brock Purdy's that type of guy. Which is great. But give me Mahomes, man. Give me the quarterback who was going to be swashbuckling. I, Purdy did have the benefit of a football bouncing off of the head of uh, a Lions DB there, too. You know, and that's the other thing. Is you got to get a little help. There's always a time yeah. where the ball could either bounce your way and does or doesn't, but it never hurts to get, you know, one of those balls bouncing your way. Right, it's shaped a funny, funny way for a reason. Uh, yeah. Hey, lastly though, I I, I got to ask you. It's so crazy for for a lot of people, I think, to see a Super Bowl being played in Vegas. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the league just wrapping its warm, loving arms around gambling, uh, something think, taboo for so long? I, yeah, I've been out to Vegas a few times. I'm not a partner anymore, and all that stuff. But I think it's probably going to be a huge hit just from. I mean, it's Vegas. What better place to play it? I always thought that, and I was fortunate enough to play in one in New Orleans, and they've had a Super Bowl there a lot. And as congested as that city is, it really is a great fit for the Super Bowl. You don't have to travel far. You know, it's congested, but you can walk just about everywhere. That's good. You know, so... San Diego, we had to drive an hour to practice. Yeah, you know, or if you want to go to a restaurant, you had to drive a long ways. You know, I mean, it was beautiful. Logistically, it was spread out. L.A. a lot the same. But uh, and I don't know. I, I'm assuming if the teams maybe are getting out in the was it Henderson? The, yeah, I get. So I guess I'm more so thinking like the the gambling aspect of it. Like, is it is it strange to you that 
you know, you there all these FanDuel commercials, DraftKings, um, the leagues making millions upon endless. Yes, it's dollars. funny it's to me. I was taboo forever. When I was playing, I mean, we had numerous times the league front office would send somebody in and you had to sit through this dissertation of absolutely no gambling. We do not gamble. We do not promote beer. We do not, you know, and now that, you know, they, they've changed their tune because of the money. So I don't believe anything they say anymore. I wonder if it's going to stain the integrity of the game at some point. A lot of people have already been suspended. How easy would it be for somebody to get to someone and do something. I don't think it would be it would be easy to get to someone. You know, no one's untouchable. Is will will a player bite on it? You know, you know, and and follow follow through with it during the game. Football. I'm I'm not saying it couldn't be done, but it seems like it would be harder. Whereas baseball, you could easily strike out every time, and and it looked like you're trying or overthrow the first baseman, you know, and it looked like you, you know, you meant to make a good throw basketball. You can miss every shot and everyone just think you had an off night. Football, you can be the receiver and you're paid off to, to throw the game and you never got a ball thrown your way. So, you know, it, to me, it would be a little bit harder. I'm not saying it can't be done because there's a, people out there a lot smarter and more conniving yeah. than I am. I would think the rep would be a, a, a better target. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely a, a risk on the NFL's part, but yeah. one that they think is worth it. If they got it all figured out, of course. Always. Always. <laughs> Do you want to give us a prediction before we uh, sign off here, Brett? You know, I always pull for my my man Andy. Love Andy. He's a dear friend. Um, and if they win, great. I, and I think that they will win uh, from experience and and just we've been here even even this season. As much as people wanted to knock them off the pedestal and say that this. This is not the Chiefs team of old. I I agree, but I also said to anyone who would listen, until they're knocked out, they're still the Kings. You know, and that's still the case. But I'd, I'd love to see Shanahan and Purdy, McCaffrey, Bosa, and Fred Warner, those guys. I mean, they're good. And They've done it with class, and the same as the Chiefs. So, I, you know, I I think the Chiefs will win just based off of they've been there and done that because I think that both teams are pretty evenly matched, I think. But that being said, you give the nod to the the quarterback who's been there before and the head coach who's been there before. There you have it, everyone. Brett? Awesome to see you, man. Thanks so much for hanging out. You bet, Tyler.